0: I'm William Thomas, a producer at Empathetic Machines. In this series of podcasts, we explore the concept of mission. More specifically, we explore why people get committed to a mission-driven business. Figuring out how to deliver profits to shareholders and owners is hard enough. Why would people get involved in a business that has goals extending beyond this? What is it about these people that develops the focus on a societal or some other sort of benefit? We produce these podcasts with a company called entourage a distinctively mission-driven company. The entourage website states that the company is all about reinventing wellness. The company develops CBD-rich, full cannabis flower extracts. So that's the mission, reinventing wellness. Each podcast will show how one individual came to this mission. Now, these individuals are influenced by big events like the civil rights movement, the HIV-AIDS epidemic, 9-11. Big events, however, only provide a backdrop. What's interesting here is how life events accumulate over time to form this mission commitment. I think you really enjoy the stories. A quick final note before we get started. For compelling stories, come here to Empathetic Machines. For medical advice, consult an expert. Consult your doctor. This is not a medical advice show. Today's podcast takes as a subject, Dr. Susan Rivard. She's a clinician with an uncanny connection to her patients. This rare quality arises from an intense attention to their care. Her mission is the removal of toxicity from the body, full stop. And this has led to a hard pass on a number of medications as a part of her practice. How she got to this mission is a study in the power of personal experience, the importance of hitting the books to empower oneself to effect meaningful change in the world, and the willingness to learn, to be flexible enough to be converted even.
1: We had a lot of members in our family that were nurses and um, medical doctors and people that were servants in health. My mom was a social worker, my brother, a police officer. We had lots of members of the military in our family. So I would say overall, we're pretty conservative family when it came to being a servant and healthcare and sort of you know, in terms of just our approach to health. So that's the, that's the background I came from. A very conservative, very toe the line, very, just very run-of-the-mill health medical doctor experience.
0: Did you do sports? What sort of activities did you do when you were young?
1: Oh, my gosh. I was a sports fanatic. I played softball. I was actually a four-year letterman in the day and age before uh, girls were allowed to even have softball diamonds at, at the uh, school. So I was a mega athlete. I played volleyball, softball, any sport that I could possibly get my hands on and and have a chance to try and do. That was me. I loved being outdoors. I loved moving. I was in, on every sports team all season, you know, anything that I could do all season long in school and during the summer. So yes, yes I would say I consider myself an athlete.
0: <laughs> and so in, in that, in that back, which is great, in, in that background, given your family background and who you were, but tell me again, where, where did you grow up?
1: I grew up, well, I was born in Texas, in Laredo, Texas. Then we moved to Indiana, uh, Pennsylvania, Zilliannopel, actually. Zilliannopel, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Chandler, Arizona. And then I spent most of my life in Arizona. So, yep, that's, and I even went to undergraduate college in Arizona. And- then I went to doctorate in California.
0: And now you're in Colorado. Now I'm in Colorado. So growing up with that sort of background of service and medicine and military, tell me a bit more, if you would, about your your attitude when you were younger, about who who you wanted to be when you grew up. Uh, Yeah.
1: I was a young kid. I had allergies. I had trouble breathing. um, I was congested all the time. And my mom took me, there was a period of time where I actually went and I had to get shots every day for a week. And the interesting thing was that after I got the shot, I was rewarded with ice cream and I didn't get any better. Sometimes my Vision would go off and I would test for glasses. Sometimes I wouldn't test for glasses. So I knew from like fourth grade that I was going to be a doctor. I would draw pictures of muscles. All my reports were about the human body. I just had a fascination for the physical part of our body. So I knew I was one of those freakazoid kids who knew when they were young that they were going to be a doctor. And I thought a medical doctor. So that, that was where I, that was how I set myself up. Straight A's, getting all the good grades, going to the right schools, being in the right programs, taking a lot of science, and then things, I even took the MCAT, and then things started crashing down when I was a junior at, in college, at the university. What, what happened? Well, two things. Uh, first of all, I was in university in the late 70s, early 80s the this was a time of total exploration most of my friends not me but most of my friends were experimenting with drugs LSD you know I don't know so many people doing pot or marijuana coke peyote you know it was it was a crazy crazy time and a lot of open ideas about sex. And so this was very different than my very conservative background. And I watched it. I wasn't so much of a participant, but I was a viewer and I really didn't like what I saw. It was sort of freaking me out. And at the time, of course, I thought I was going to go to medical school. So I was working as a volunteer and in the local hospital, in the radiology department. And I was also a member of the food co-op. Somehow I knew that what you ate was important to your health. I think that my propensity for natural health was because I had a brother that was diagnosed young, young, like 13 with rheumatoid arthritis. And it kept him from really being active. And I loved him so much. And then when I was in college, we had a chat one day, and he was telling me that he had ulcers in his stomach and that he was having trouble with bleeding in his stomach. This was a kid that was 17. And I said, well, what's that coming from? And he told me that he was on like 20 aspirin a day for, that's what he was prescribed, 20 aspirin a day for his arthritis and his arthritis pain. And back then they didn't have buffered aspirin. And so it was eating away the lining of his stomach. And I thought, holy smokes, there has got to be a better way.
0: Family could be such a powerful motivator. For Dr. Rivard, it was a motivator to get to work.
1: So I just dove into the books and, and I tried to find every single thing I could to help my brother. And what I ended up finding was a guy named Bernard Jensen and diet and stay away from all white foods. And and we started we started diving into diet as a way to heal his condition. And lo and behold, voila, he improved like 98% and got off of all those medications. So this was a shock to me. And so I started diving into a different realm.
0: It's interesting, not all necessary learning comes from books. Dr. Evard has a perfect example of this.
1: At the same time, I was taking classical and electric guitar lessons from a wonderful guitar teacher and he was very much into, uh, I guess today you call it alternative health. Back then, I don't even know if there was a name for it. But he went to chiropractors. He had healed himself from cancer with nutrition. He was an incredible man. So I would take lessons. I was his last patient of the day. I took lessons from him. And then we would. Ha- he would give me books to read and we would have a chat. And we would chat for an hour, two hours about nutrition and health and healing. And it just radically changed my mind from the things that I had read. And he introduced me to a chiropractor who was a nutritionist who wrote several books, Dr. Sheldon Deal, who was in Tucson at the time. And, and just my, and then I started going to a chiropractor and my issues started clearing up. My brother started healing and I just had a completely, completely different reversal. And it was so big that I just was thrown into a tizzy and, and I finished at University of Arizona and I moved to Texas and did something completely different because I I was. I had always thought I wanted to be a, a medical doctor, and now I was realizing that I didn't want to prescribe meds as my profession.
0: Was there a day when you realized oh, I, I, I'm not going to be a doctor? I've got to do something else.
1: When I made the decision not to go to medical school, it was it was not a moment of decision. I actually, kind of crashed my life a little bit because. I have always been a very goal-oriented person and, you know, a team player, an athlete, and to not have a vision and a goal in front of me was just so disruptive. I didn't know what to do.
0: This is when you moved to Austin? This is
1: when I moved to Austin. I got a job in a, in a flow tech lab, and I was running and in charge of experiments in their clean lab. And I ended up getting laid off of that job. And it was the best day that there ever could have been because I had researched and decided that I was going to go to chiropractic school. In that interim, I studied and learned and involved myself in natural health, in food and in healing in that way. So best day of my life when I decided to go to chiropractic school and, and I got, had gotten laid off from that job.
0: Sometimes life does that for us, doesn't it? <laughs>
1: it's unexpected. It was completely unexpected.
0: So then w- did you go right away to op- open a practice for yourself?
1: Yes. So I went to chiropractic school, did extremely well, got the President's Award in chiropractic, took boards in several different states, and moved to Colorado. I just loved it here. And I did open my own practice. Yes. And I was in practice for, gosh, I don't know how many years. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, I realized that I needed to know more about neurology and more about functional neurology. So I entered a program, a chiropractic program for functional neurology, talked by Dr. Ted Carrick, who's an amazing functional neurology professor. So I flew for almost four years to from Colorado Springs to San Francisco once a month and did a postdoctorate course in functional neurology. And right as I was finishing that course, my very good friend got hit by a car and got a head injury. So, and then I also have story of head injury. And so that sort of was how I moved my practice more into a a structural head injury neurological realm. Yeah.
0: Was it one of those accidents that that drove you to realize functional neurology? Was the right way to go or was it a natural progression just coming out of your practice? How, how did you make that decision? I mean, that's to get on a plane once a month and, and to enter into a postdoctorate degree, that's that's a big commitment.
1: Yes, it was a huge financial commitment and a huge time commitment. But at the time, and it was, it was just the start in the 90s and the 90s, late 90s of, of the era of the brain and finding out a whole bunch of the brain. I was just interested, but through the athletics, through car accidents, I'd had – several head injuries, concussions, but at the time they didn't know that when you have brain injury and you have concussion, that one after the other, after the other, after the other harms you. And so I was noticing, I went through a time where all of a sudden I'd always been a very goal-oriented person writing. I mean, my lists are crazy. I'm such a project-driven person, but what happened to me was I fell into a massive, huge depression after a head injury. I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, I couldn't get to my practice. I was crying every day. And I called a colleague of mine that I knew that was in this neurology program at the time also. And I don't mean to say this bad about vegetarians, but at the time I was vegetarian. And I was not doing it right. And I called my colleague and he told me a list of things to do. And then he said, you have to get into this neurology program so that you can heal yourself. So that's what I did. And it was either that my family had all wanted me to go to this hospital that was an in-care facility. Gosh, I haven't really talked about this. It's kind of getting me choked up a little bit. I'd forgotten about this, but that my family all wanted to check me into this in-house facility because my persona was so different and I was so depressed, but that was not part of my paradigm because I just was so against drugs and I would not do drugs. I wouldn't even take an aspirin. I was so anti-drug. And so I said, I have got to find a different way. So I got on the phone to all the, co- the doctors that I knew and respected that were the smartest functional medicine. They, we didn't even call it functional medicine back then. It was nutrition and chiropractors. There was no such thing as functional medicine back then. And one of them was in this neurology program and gave me advice. It helped me almost instantaneously. And I enrolled immediately in that neurology program. And that was what saved my life and brought my health back.
0: That's a fantastic story. Wow. Would you mind defining functional medicine as opposed to some of the other strains or ways of thinking about this for anyone who doesn't know that's listening oh
1: and you were gonna ask me something that i have a strong opinion about i can't stand the name functional medicine because again you know i don't like the medicine part of it it's nutrition for me i love the word nutrition and nutrients and and herbs and i don't like the part of medicine because of my background and because of my family history and my experience. So I can't stand that term. I don't like to call myself a functional medicine practitioner. I'd rather say cellular healing, de- cellular detox specialist, nutrition expert, brain healing expert. Those are words that I like better.
0: So what is the term medicine connote for you? It's obviously a reaction based on your, your knowledge and your study as well as your practice. So what is it about the term medicine that is, a, well, let's just say a challenge?
1: Yes. It started, remember, about my brother who was taking the aspirin mm-hmm. medicine and it had such a deleterious effect on him at, at a very young age. And then I also had another brother who, a younger brother who took some medication It was kind of from a poke in his skin, and he ended up hallucinating for 24 hours. It was so scary. And I was endeavoring this study on natural health and nutrition. The meantime, my oldest brother became a highway patrolman, and he dedicated himself to upholding the law. At the time, the law was no marijuana. And so he put his life on the line in the name of his duty in upholding the law and got him and friends got themselves in dangerous situations, upholding the law for all kinds of drugs, including pot. So I love my brother and want to support my brother. So that was a piece of the the member. And then also as the years progressed, I also had several beloved family members who got addicted to harder drugs, heroin and cocaine. And I had a friend from college who died of LSD. So it it was heart wrenching. And then, you know, I had a- A family member do three back-to-back tours in Afghanistan and came back depressed and probably had concussion and brain injury, but the treatment was to put him on and off antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications, and it just wrecked him, and he ended up committing suicide. Oh, I have to take a breath after that one. And so, yeah, you know, I just... I just have spent a life seeing damage from medications. Yeah. There's definitely something about verbalizing it out loud. You know, you think it and you think you have it worked through, but when you verbalize it, wow, it's impactful.
0: It comes back into the room and it's there with you. That's definitely what happens. The idea of medication aside from nutritional substances being a part of our health equation, that's not the way you're thinking. You're thinking... Differently.
1: I guess I would say I saw such great effects in people's health with the tools I had that were natural. So using chiropractic adjustments, using the functional neurology, using the biohacks, they now call it, that help stimulate the lymph, using diet and fasting strategies, using herbs and things made out of herbs and organic foods. I saw such good healing effects over my 30 years of practice that, that I was kind of open for something else. So as I was transitioning into more of a nutrition herb combined with the structural neurological practice, I joined a practitioner group that's full of medical doctors, osteopaths, functional nutritionists, nurses, dentists, and the mentor of the group introduced CBD products. And I was very skeptical at first for all the reasons that we had talked about, but I thought, okay, CBD, let me have a rethink about this because of some of the research I had read. And I have to say, I had some pressure from my patients about this issue. And so he introduced a company and a product and I purchased some of that. I had my patients try some of that product and it did nothing for me. Didn't work, didn't have any effect. Same with my patients. And I was disillusioned. And so were my patients that I had given this particular product to. And so I kind of shelved the whole thing for a while and just thought, no, I'm not into the CBD thing. And it just doesn't seem to have any effect for, for anybody I know. I don't get it because other members of the group are saying it helped them tremendously. But boy, that was not my experience personally or with my patients, and remember that this group, our primary function is to heal the cell that's inflamed due to toxicity. At a later time, I did look into cannabis and the and the plant. I'm a gardener. I grow my own herbs. I grow my own vegetables. I grow my own food, and I found out that that particular plant is a cleanser of the soil. So that plant has the affinity to grab up any pesticides, any heavy metals, any toxins, any residues from the soil and suck it up into the plant. And then you make a product out of that plant and you're just imbibing all the toxins that we are trying to get rid of as a group out of the cell. And now you're, you're doing the CBD or the marijuana or whatever it is from that plant. And you're just refilling yourself with toxicity. I just was disgusted with the whole thing and I shelved the whole thing. There you go.
0: Was there something that, sh- that pushed you into what sounds like a substantial amount of research and experimentation and you paid for this stuff? What, what, how did you get there?
1: Well, here was my thought process. At the time, I thought, well, okay, it's an herb. It does not have high THC, so I'm okay with herbs and herbal healing. Many of these people, doctors and practitioners that I respect, are saying this is something that is a good tool for your toolbox. So maybe I don't want to have such a closed mind. Maybe I should look into this and consider it.
0: So you shelved it, but but then it sounds like you've sort of came back around to it. What happened next?
1: Two things. The first is kind of funny. I had an older lady patient, and she came. And normally we have these great conversations. Super smart lady, very well educated. She came in, and she was as loopy as loopy could be. <laughs> and I asked her thinking that she had been given some new medication. I said, what in the world have you done to yourself? And I said, you are just as loopy as can be. And she looked at me with these big round eyes and she said, well, you know, I've been having some back pain. And I asked my grandson, I mentioned my grandson and he said, oh, grandma, I've got some, I've got some marijuana. And here, let me give you a little bit of this. This will help with your back pain. <laughs> And it just made her so incredibly loopy that she, but she was in enough pain that she was willing to try it. And I thought, okay, this is it. I just can't be having my patients. And by this time, I knew about the suck up effect and the the soil cleansing effect of the plant. And I thought, I cannot have my patients going around asking their grandkids for pot you know, this is just not acceptable for me as their health leader. So that was one. And the other was that I was starting to have I'd had another head injury, we'd had black mold in our house. So I was having my own health issues at that time, and really, really was struggling to sleep. And And then the third thing that happened, it was kind of like this trifecta. The third thing that happened was somebody that I really respected that was a family friend had joined on to the entourage team. And he called me up and said, hey, doc, I have something to present to you. And, you know, probably if he wouldn't have been a family friend, I would have probably said, I don't know so much, but because he was a family friend, I had him come over And when he started showing me the clinician grade, the label that was on every bottle, I talked to the owner of the company who knew a lot about growing. We had multiple conversations about the non-toxic, authentic, over-the-top testing of the product. I was intrigued. They told me about the processing plant and how they process differently. He explained to me about the, the growing and harvesting of only the female flower and the soil and the places that they get their product being organic for years, clean soil for years, and that the processing where most cbd products get processed like cutting down the whole orange tree when you're only wanting the fruit of the orange then you have to process out all the trunk and all the limbs and all the leaves and all the skin and all the seeds to get to that to get to that inside of the orange and in that process you destroy all the natural terpenes which are the magic one of the magic elements of the CBD product, I kind of got it. And what they do is they don't cut down the whole plant, they just harvest the orange. So their processing does not destroy the natural terpenes. So that intrigued me. The next thing that intrigued me was when I was given a few samples to test on my practi- with my practitioner group, with my patients and with myself. What I loved was that the product smelled and tasted like an herb, almost like chamomile, if you've ever had chamomile tea. And I thought, oh my goodness, this was not my previous experience. The product did not taste like an herb in my previous experience. So that was what connected me. What, What really hooked me was the effect. I took some on a regular basis. The chief medical officer explained to me how to dose. I had superior results with sleep. Not only that, but it also helped improve my appetite. I had never felt full. This is because of hormone dysregulation from the mold house. And I never felt full, which I don't know if anybody knows this side effect, but with the product, I started to feel full. And so I wasn't overeating as a result of feeling like I was never satisfied. So it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. And I gave it to my patients and the ones that tried it and we did the dosing correctly, loved it. In fact, some of my patients loved it so much that they said, can I get some for my grandmother, who's never going to change the way that she eats, but she's got all this joint pain. Can we get her some and have her doing it? So, so it's kind of this trickle down effect that people have really loved the products. Some of the practitioners in my in my practitioner group have tried this particular product. Oh, I have to tell you this story. We are so fanatical about clean products, clean nutrients, clean everything in order to detox the cell and downregulate inflammation that we have an independent lab and we sent the products to that independent lab and they were shocked to say the least at how clean the products were. And so my mentor got on board and was like, holy smokes, this is really a great product. And so as a practitioner group, many of the members of the practitioner group have got on board with the product. So that's why I'm so enthused.
0: Any reflection you have on what it took for you to get here?
1: I guess what I would say to people that are considering trying something different because you have sleep problems, because you have joint pain, because you have head injury, because of other things. I would say, first of all, it's important to find a practitioner who really understands it, that you can trust and listen to their advice. So you don't have to go back and do all the research. So find someone you trust And when you trust that person, trust their recommendations because it'll save you a heck of a lot of time and a heck of a lot of years. The second thing I would say is that it is, after all, an herb that comes from the ground. It's a food product. It's natural. And because it's a cleanser, you want to make extra sure that it's not going to poison your body with chemicals and residues and heavy metals and pesticides. So if you're going to dive into that realm, man, make sure that the product you're getting isn't going to wreck your cells. And third, I just say, you know, as you're entering into a, a natural health arena, just keep an open mind. That's what I'd say.
0: Keep an open mind. I think given Dr. Rivard's dedication to herbal and nutritional-based medicine, it's appropriate to say that is sage advice. This podcast series explores why people embark on missions. For Dr. Rivard, the mission is to provide deep care, and it's led her to campaign against toxicity one patient at a time. Perhaps we can say she's waged this campaign one cell at a time. Driven by this desire to help people in her own life. Dr. Rivard invested in herself, in learning how to help better. She's taken open-mindedness to a new level. She's open to new ideas that will serve her mission, but she pairs that with a vigilance, a vigilance to ensure that only good, effective ideas make the cut. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Isaac Foster and Music for Makers for our theme music. I look forward to your comments online. Bye-bye.